There's a Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, there's a new one. Yeah. There's an old one? Yes, in 1995. Uh, If you want to. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, totally. We'll all hear it. Yo. Hey, buddy. I've just, I thought I'd try that. So you've now, you're coming through on the, the caster so the guys can hear you. Um, I'm just going to see if this will work a little bit better. Yeah, I've, I've only got four, I've got, I mean, I've got four G, but I've only got like one bar of service. So yeah, it's all good. I thought it might cut in and out. That's Good. all right, Jake. You're coming in loud and clear now, so that's all right. So that's that's, okay, great. that's Josh you can hear there. So and I've got Peter beside me. G'day, Jake. Nice to have you here, mate. Hey, dude. That's a, that's a cozy little room you guys have there. Yeah, no, it's nice. It's um, it's Josh's. He, he set up the whole studio. He, yeah, curated it. It's it's a nice little place. So the, the illusion yeah, of no, a couple of cameras, it doesn't seem to be as small as it is, but it's still... Yeah, no, it looks great. Thank you, sir. I saw you guys had a matching hats on there. What is this? Are you coordinating? Yeah. So, uh, Inner West Hemp. Um, I'll let I'll let Jake take the lead on that. What is Inner West Hemp, Jake? Uh, Inner West Hemp is a uh, hemp-derived CBD business that uh, myself and Mel Eckett founded, um, I think it was at the end of 2018. Um, so, we do CBD oils and topicals and sleep sports sprays and all that kind of stuff uh, in the U.S. Oh, fabulous! Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's become like a, a really great product for us stunties that are constantly trying to deal with pain, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we're not a lot of us aren't getting any younger. Yeah. So it's it's nice to be able to look after yourself now. You know, looking forward to the future. So, obviously, topical treatments, um, easing of joints, bruising, that sort of stuff, or then adding to the effects of of marijuana, hemp, you know, CBD in the bloodstream. Is that kind of a really bad interpretation? Or? Yeah, so we've got a we got a range of different products ranging from like the, uh, the tinctures, as the Americans call them. They're just like a, an oil dropper uh, in a 30 ml bottle. We've got different concentrates of those. And then we've got two topical products, uh, one being your typical uh, kind of cream in a jar kind of set up and the other one's a roll-on. And then we've got a sleep support spray as well that's mixed with melatonin. So okay. it's, it's a cool, rather than knocking you out like a lot of sleep things do, this one just kind of, you know, puts you to sleep, which is good. That's and cool. we've also got gummies as well. So it's and a little bit different delivery method. And what is that like in Australia? Because I'm totally oblivious to our laws in regards to it. It's sort of, you see a lot more of the American situation of a lot of states being legalised. What is it in Australia? We're about five to six years behind the U.S. here um, as far as legality and and, and uh, manufacturing products um, and just really getting ahead around the industry. Um, Australia has taken a bit of a leap. We're trying to actually deschedule it uh, to a Schedule 3 medication, which means it would be not controlled by a doctor. You could get it over the counter mm-hmm. at a pharmacist. But Basically, the whole global CBD world operates in this weird kind of gray area where a lot of the results um, and the first-hand results from people are quite anecdotal. And the FDA um, and the DEA in the United States will leave you alone as long as you don't make health claims. So uh, we all know um, people that have had CBD for cancer treatment, for treating irritable bowel syndrome. Um, really a lot of uh, stuff with concussion injuries and CTE. But being in that it's still linked to cannabis, you can't make a claim to say CBD will help you with cancer symptoms. CBD will help you with your CT, uh, CTE injury. And that's I mean, when your DEAs and your, and your FDAs will come and basically snuff you out really quickly. And a, a, a lot of the stuff recently has been um, helping with epilepsy, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So basically, the, the big thing CBD does is um, it shuts down your inflammation pathways. So your body isn't able to create that unnecessary inflammation. And a lot of the problems people have with, with epilepsy is um, it's a result of brain inflammation. Um, so CBD shutting down those pathways uh, in your brain actually helps it you know, function the way it's supposed to. Yeah, wow, that's 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 amazing. That's yeah, um, it's quite cool. 
Yeah, that's. Oh, I mean, we get you on for the hemp hour. It seems at the moment. Like, I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like little nugget coming from your hats there. That's great. Like, yeah. God. So Jay, how long have you known each other for, guys? Yeah, when did we first meet? Um, I think. I mean, I, I was graded twenty end of twenty sixteen. Um, I actually can't remember the first time I met. No, I remember seeing you at the pub. Like, I remember being aware of you and then seeing you at the pub after um, the Hacksaw Ridge premiere. Um, and I like I, I saw you and you were sort of in a you were in the front room of the pub and we were in the back room of the pub. And then when yeah, I was, I, I, I think I, I think I was there for my partner at the time. It wasn't really showing much interest in the whole thing. So yeah, I think it was just me and her that went there. So yeah, that was that was pre Sunday. Yeah, that's like 2015. 2016 actually would have been okay and so that's when yeah jake was getting graded and then ado you were progressing or were you graded i was i was graded but i was still in my provisional years so basically just stunty you start off as a um you know before you even get into the industry you've got to sort of earn your stripes and then you get given the first accreditation which is as a stunt actor provisional Mm. Um, and then you've basically got to continue earning your stripes up until a stunt actor, which is what Jake and I are graded as now. And so then yeah. stunt supervisor, would that be the Then assistant coordinator, then coordinator. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, was there any uh, steps along the way, Jake, that you were like, oh, I don't know about this. This one part seems a bit too gnarly maybe to learn and incorporate <laughs> my mind. Yeah. Let me just jump in before he answers that because um, – yeah, Jake's um, previous jobs, mm. shall we say? Well, think, he's an entrepreneur, I'll, obviously. No, I'll, I'll let him explain what he was doing for you know as a, a you know the main job before he got into stunts. But I think both of them probably set him up pretty well. So go ahead, Jake. Yeah. So b- before stunts, um, I was working in a coal mine. Okay, uh, that's already pretty extreme. Mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was doing that sort of stuff. Um, and then before that, I was a you know, computer machinist. Um, had a trade background. So uh, I was doing that. And before that, I was, uh, I was racing motorcycles. So, um, okay, that's a good those curve. Kind of three yeah. Things, yeah, those just kind of three things meshed together. And then uh, See, I'd, actually, I I'd up, argue that you're now up. in the safest of the jobs that you've had. <laughs> yeah, machinist, you can yeah. lose your hair and your arm. Uh, coal mine, you can kind of lose everything in your lung. And motorbike, well, hey, whatever yeah. it takes you. Yeah, I've, I've basically had a death wish from day one. <laughs> what about the water side? Like, is there an area that you're kind of a bit, uh, yeah, I'd rather Bob take that section, like that's a water-based thing and I'm not the, the biggest fan, or is it kind of you feel pretty comfortable in most areas? Um, I mean, I grew up surfing, so it's not that bad, but obviously you've got, Everyone brings their own set of skills to the table, just mm. given their background. Uh, and my stuff was was bike. Um, you know, my partner's stuff is, is martial arts and cars and that sort of thing. Like each person that gets graded, because obviously you have to pass a certain grading criteria to be shown competent in a bunch of different areas mm-hmm. as a baseline. But yeah, everyone brings their own sort of specialty into it. That must must be quite supportive on a on a set as well of like feeling confident in your set of skills that you have a background in, and everyone kind of like oh you know Jake's he's a he's fantastic on a bike and no no we'll let him do that and sort of stepping up and that yeah, I think there'd be something really Not nice for about me that. I mean my background was pretending okay so. well, <laughs> you'd be pretty good at all of them then just throw you in the deep end and you'll be fine. So did you find the whole process, like, was there some steps along the way that were, is there, like, obviously nothing was really a hindrance or a deterrent, but was there something that was like, oh, it took you a bit more time, had to bang your head against it, maybe not literally, but? Uh, I mean, not really, like, it's pretty. Okay, thanks, Jake, that's fine. Uh, it seems like you're pretty skilled <laughs> at all. And, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, the the, the year sets the criteria that you have to meet, and, I mean, it's not really advertised not really people don't put up banners for it okay. you know, it's on the MEAA website if you want to go be a stunt person you can read the criteria and tick the boxes um, and then from there it, it's on you you've, you've got to pick the areas you want to be competent in I think you've got to be competent in, uh, in four out of the five mm-hmm. um, and then it's a matter of, of you actually going out there and doing it doing the training um, 
networking with stunt coordinators, net, networking with stunt people. Because mm. um, at the end of the day, you still got to get those references. You still got to get those um, hours logged with so, a stunt coordinator. Um, so, what are those five? You get signed off. Uh, the, the, so, well, the five yeah. five main areas you got to get graded in. Um, so you've got your basic body control and you know stunt specific stuff. Um, within body control, there's kind of subcategory. So you also need to have a back, you know, prove a competency in martial arts, you know, dance, gymnastics. Like there's within body control, there's kind of a, a subcategory. And, um, they're, and they're sort of all all the grades themselves of like tick body control dance or is it again now a bit of an amalgam of uh four out of five of these it's kind of a bit of a pass well, no, as no, well. it, it's just one of those one. those categories so you just need to prove a competency in okay. one of the areas that come under the banner head of body control then you've got heights so you've got to have you know rope access or you know in, uh, you know, any of those things to do with heights, be a rigger, be a, anything like that. And that's falls as well? Like, I'm, I'm falls. Yeah, you yeah. got to you got to prove that you can do your basic falls off a... Uh, I think that at the moment they've still got it set to like a six metre into a, a hard device, basically. Um, and when I say hard device, I'm not talking about concrete. I'm saying no, sure. not, an, not an airbag, basically. So you're talking Boxes. about mats. Um, okay, mats. Yeah. Um, then you've got water. So you've got to have your bronze medallion or be a diver or, you know, a, a pretty competent surfer. Um, you got animals, so basically, if you grew up on a farm, so you can ride horses, you can ride bulls, you can do that type of thing. You you classify as a, under animals, okay. and then you got vehicles. So you've got to have a license. You got to do your advanced and your defensive driving courses, and you got to prove a competency in that. There you five for when you're trying to get into the industry. Yes. Step above that when you're going for your stunt actor, you have to add fire. So you need to prove that whatever four of those you chose initially. <laughs> and body control is mandatory. Yeah. The new mandatory one that they add is fire. So you have to do a torch, basically get set on fire, prove a competency in that, and show that you have advanced your competencies in all the other areas that you graded under. Right. So, so look, when, when you lunatics are all ticked off and you're ready to go, yep. and you're in the industry, you start getting some traction. Mm-hmm. Do you start to find that a lot of people have a bit of a holy grail of their stunt work? Is there something that stunt people really want to do? Do you want to blow yourself up? What is it? Is there something? Ado, uh, what do you want to do? I think we all want to do the one that our mates are going to talk about. So, Jake, what's that? What, what's the thing you want Aiden to be talking to us about if when he... I mean, I just want to see him... I just want to see people do cool stunts. Um, you know, you can you can make a simple stunt look really really good, or you can make a really hard stunt, uh, you know, look really easy. Um, but yeah, I think at the moment, um, our good friend uh, Ben Toy is kind of leading the way with his his cannons he's doing with his cars. Um, it's it's quite uh, quite an incredible thing to see, and uh, he's he's quite got it down to a bit of a fine art the way the way he builds everything and and puts the system in a car and then how it looks on camera like you, you know you, you flip crashing a car and flipping it you know five six times like it's, it's pretty incredible and for him to come out every time unscathed you know fine ready ready to go again if he has to that for me that that's pretty much the coolest thing at the moment how do, like, how do you get to that point i mean okay so get out there mate take the car crash it roll it do whatever it is that is required but before he had the job of crashing and rolling this car, how did he practice that skill? Like, how do you get to that point? How on earth do you learn to crash a car? Well, it's it's really uh, it's really problem solving. So there's a lot of aspects that go into it. You've got you know the shot that the director wants to see, and then you've obviously got to go to your recce and have a look at the environment and where it's going to happen, and and then you've got to do the problem solving of how do we achieve what we think this person wants to see. Um, and then it goes about, you know, obviously safety for the performer and the crew is, is the number one thing. So, um, you know, he, he's quite clever and he's got really good mechanical kind of not, uh, the way his brain works mm. that uh, he can pick a car and, and throw a roll cage in it and put all the other moving parts in. And then, yeah, just making sure it's, it's safe. Um, obviously, they do... You've done a lot of rehearsals and testing and and that sort of thing, and yeah, you've just got to put yourself in a nice, safe 
position that you know is going to work on the day and um, yeah send it i mean the other thing that i would say as well is um you know a stunt performing is still such an apprenticeship in that you you know there's such a long process to get graded once you become graded people have to take you under their wing and before ben ever got the chance to sit in the driver's seat and be on the trigger button mm-hmm. he had crewed on i'd at a guess i'd probably say about 150 car crashes right. so he's he's been there putting other people into the car and watching the way that they're doing it and yes. and and i think you there's there's no one in the industry um, who's any good who isn't standing on the shoulders of the people that came before them right. like everyone you know you pick up um, not only how to do it, but also how not to do it. Like you, you learn from other people's mistakes. I think that's kind of the best way of, of learning you can ever have. If, if you're actually able to look at it and understand what's going on, which mm-hmm. like we're talking about Ben specifically, like he's, he's almost like an idiot savant when it comes to, um, you know, mechanics and engineering. Like if, if he hadn't have discovered stunts at the age that he did, uh, he'd definitely be a mechanical engineer. Like right. that's just the way his head works. It sounds like an interesting um, bloke. Yeah. So I, I think for, you know, there's in all the way through stunts, there is that. Um, like we're all learning off each other. And you're also all being pushed by each other. Like, right. you know, for, for Jake and I, we watch um, Benji doing these, you know, car crashes right now. And we're already thinking like in the future, right, when we've earned it. And that's the other big thing is earning it. Once we get to the position where we've earned the, the opportunities to be in that driver's seat, you know, it we're we're standing on the shoulders of Benji now and Definitely. we've learned from all of his stuff. It's amazing. I mean, you know, I grow up no idea. I just know there are stuntmen and I have this image in my head of a rogue cowboy, complete lunatic. Um, who's the American bloke on the Harley who jumps everything? Oh, evil Knievel. Evil Knievel. Yeah. That's, that's the imagery I get in my head. There you go. That's a stuntman. But it's um, talking to you two right now seem quite level-headed and kind of, you know, well aligned oh, with, you know, an industry that's quite sensible, which is yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, counterintuitive to you think. You've, in my personal opinion, I, I think Jake would agree with this. Um, if someone came in who was actually a loose cannon, we'd get rid of him. Yeah. Because, I mean, you a lot of the stuff you're doing, when it goes wrong, people die. And, and people have died. Um, you know, it's happened quite a lot. So... Mm. I want people around me that I can trust, that I know are going to stay calm, make good decisions. and Clearly one yeah. of those industries, you really need to be a tight-knit team. Do you look at... do you, Seeing these skill sets and everyone's sort of branches out into their real... their own car crashes, burning yourself, whatever it is that your background sort of, you know, leads you there too. <laughs> do you start looking at people and start to think this person would be really good at X, Y or Z? Because, look, I'm sitting here and, Josh, your yes, background, you you do your parkour <laughs> things. I don't know what no, it no, is. please do not. Please do not even. I feel now embarrassed. Oh, come on, you do. That you're, you, you have two stuntmen here. Or, it's ridiculous. And then you but say however, that to me. However. That seems like you're trying to insult me now. Oh, come on. Oh, I could say I'm athletic, but. But, I mean, I'm not saying that sure. you could just go and do what yeah, they yes, do. Of course, of but, I mean, not. it's clearly a, you know, a pedigree that could lead you. Sure, and have the ability to do some pretty gnarly stunt work, and the um because I've been learning about it for the last fourteen minutes. Yes, you've made the evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, you were saying with um, in regards to like Ben, it seems like he's a person. It's not just someone who is amazing at crashing or creating that scene, mm-hmm. but he's a conduit for the technical aspects of what a director director of photography needs to get the shot that they envision. Do you think that's also like a seemingly a critical part of the whole role there? Yeah, well, I think, I think Ada uh, touched on a great topic and, and that is like, you know, stunts being an apprenticeship and, you know, um, and hours you spend on set. And you just, the more time you spend at it, the more you kind of figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't, and, and it's not, you know, what's not worth the effort. Um, and as stunt performers, obviously we don't get as much of an idea as say a, a stunt coordinator or a safety officer does that are there with the directors uh, doing the recce and looking at the situation and going, okay, well, I think they're going to shoot it 
this way. So here's some options on how we can do it. But then at the same time, they've got to have in their head, well, what if they want to shoot it this way? Or what if they want to do it this way? And um, looking at a sort of uh, a plot of stunts or, or, or a position where they can make it happen and change it on the day if they have to, um, to basically fit in with what the shot has to look like. There must be some times, I'm sure, like a bit of pressure comes onto the set. You, there's a lot of people around. Um, we're expecting this thing. Have you ever felt nervous? Are you kind of like, oh, I actually know. And have you kind of pushed that and gone, fuck it, I'll just do it. Like I'll get it over and done with. Like I, I feel nervous. Uh, maybe that's also probably more at the beginning than maybe where you are now. But has there been a situation like that where you've just gone through and put it aside to the back of the mind? And and to add to that, to the, uh, just the awareness of the crazy budget that you potentially be working under as well i mean you can't be playing around with hours and hours of time when you just don't have it yes there's a lot of pressure going on oh it's ridiculous anyway someone got an answer for that (laughs) jake (laughs) jake yeah yeah um (laughs) not too much not too much pressure like obviously you get like i I can only speak for myself like i i get the same butterflies when they're counting down sort of three to one action as I used to get when I was racing. Um, but then at the same time, like by the time you get to that point, you've rehearsed it, you know what you've got to do, you know where you've got to land, you know the action that they want you to perform. And then it's pretty much, it's, it's on you to, to perform it. Um, I think if, you, if you're getting to the point where you are sort of that nervous, um, you're either ill-prepared or you don't really know, you haven't asked the right questions and you don't really know what you've got to do. Yeah. So I think if you you either ask the right questions and you know exactly what you've got to do and, and you're prepared and you're trained and you put the work in, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, you'll still get those butterflies, but you shouldn't be, you know, do it properly. too nervous because, you know, you, there's a job, a job that's got to be done. You're the guy to do it. And, you know, you're either prepared and ready or you're not. Mate, that, if this was an interview, you would be hired. That was beautiful. Hey, <laughs> eh? Who is this guy? Sorry, Josh, you were going <laughs> to say something? I was going to say, well, that sounds, I mean, that's a really kind of, that's a fantastically beneficial sounding um, industry that you have there, that it is one, you're not going to have these loose cannons because it's this supportive growth area where you guys are developed through the ranks. Um, you trust each other. You're getting rid of people who you think, oh, no, you're probably not going to be cut out for it. And that's beneficial. And two, you're getting to a stage where you're knowledgeable enough as well. Like, so it's a really, it sounds like a really actually healthy industry it, I mean, compared to possibly the yeah. idea of what it is. It, yeah, it's it, extraordinary. It yeah. is. But uh, what I will say as well is we're still trying to sort of redeem the reputation in, in a lot of ways. Mm. I think... Um, you know, like it was, it was said to me at one point um, by another sort of senior stunty who was eavesdropping on a conversation between uh, myself and a couple of my peers. And he went, he said, do you realise for the last 45 minutes you guys have talked about buying property and stocks? And we went, yeah. And he goes, back in my day it was about who we were sleeping with and how much coke we had to buy for tonight. <laughs> and I just went, yeah, we're not, like the, yeah. the industry has changed. Like it's, there's been an evolution. And I think... There's still some of the older people within the industry that view stunts as being these kind of egocentric, um, mm. uh, you know, people that just show up, break everything and leave. And I think we're, we're still sort of trying to work to, to get rid of that, that image um, because it's, it's, it's just not the reality of what I know. Mm. You know, like I do know, um, you know, like you've got, there's a couple of guys in our industry, um, you've got, Mark and Mike Duncan. Um, now they are two brothers. They're brothers. They're yeah. twins. Okay. Um, they're so they can stunt in for each other. Li- li- yeah, there's some funny stories about that, but um, I'll let them tell it when they eventually get on here. But yeah, like they're two of the hardest guys I've I've ever known. Um, you know, more broken bones between them and injuries and all types of stuff. Like they're the guys that you bring in when you want to high side a motorcycle at 60k an hour onto the you know bitumen. Um, that's kind of their deal. You know, the, the big gags. Um, and they're kind of known for that ability to, you know, when, when you go, oh, we want you to hit that wall, mm. you know that they're going to go through it. 
you know there's that that kind of that kind of ability to do that and i think what you kind of need within stunts is the ability to still do that but then also be calculated to know when to do it and when not to do it you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and i think the yeah, there's there's definitely a, a sort of slow evolution that's that's happening with the people that I know that, mm. that we work with, where it's kind of getting to be much more scalpel than than hammer. Yeah, that's that's obviously like it's fantastic to hear because, like I say, people, certain people are drawn to it. Obviously, like stunts has a thing with like you wouldn't do it if. I have a attention to wanting to count numbers and sit in an office and this is really like what I like to do. No, you're out riding a motorbike and competing and that's probably part of the personality that will eventually get me to this position. So it does seem like a very much a profession that you're never going to get people who aren't suited for it. Mm. But generationally now, things change and you become more open-minded and then things that are important in our world change as well. Mm. So, like, Jake, what was there an inkling ever when you were younger, racing and thinking or seeing a movie? Was there a time when you went, oh, that, that looks pretty cool. I wonder, wonder if that's a job or did it suddenly spark in you? That is a job. I never knew it was a job. And, and now that I think back at it, it's kind of, in a sense, it kind of pisses me off because I went to a performing <laughs> arts school and they didn't <laughs> tell me it was a job. Uh, no, I mean, I always liked action movies. That, you know, I grew up kind of idolizing Jackie Chan and, and that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we were racing bikes. Um, so what was and then from there, I, I, I did my trade. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Racing kind of wasn't working out. Um, so did my trade, went to the mines, did that. But, I, you know, I was just kind of ticking over. I didn't really hadn't found a passion. And then mm. someone I used to race with, uh got the opportunity to do Mad Max and while okay. he was doing that film uh he called me up and he's like hey this is you know this is up your alley so yeah I just started pursuing it from there and um didn't didn't really know how to get into it I went and did days as an extra on um on set just to kind of learn film sets and and meet people and and that's really how I got into it I, I was lucky enough to to meet a stunt coordinator on set who you know brought me out to do some some days with him, some assisting and that sort of thing, and then um yeah, yeah that's that's pretty much how I've got my grading sorted. And so I mean that that you hear that quite often. Um, the I just went out and did this. I just I was on set. I was just there. I'm around the other people who are also in this field, and I think I, I'm clueless at the moment, but I'm amongst it. And that in itself seems such an incredibly beneficial thing. Like so many people would ask questions of like, how do I do this? What's the exact path? It's like, no, just be amongst it a lot of times. It would seem to be is a, a really good answer for that. Yeah, but in saying that, I'm, I'm kind of, in a, a part of me is glad I did get get into it um, a little bit older. Like, because you do, you, you kind of have that little bit more life experience, that little bit more maturity and and your mindset is a little bit more for, for longevity. You know, like I, I had a lot of accidents uh, racing bikes. So by the time I got into stunts, I kind of lost that hot-headedness and, you know, I had that bit more of maturity. Of, and, and especially from the mining background as well, having that safety drilled into you as well that, you know, you've got to go home at the end of the day. Yeah, that's um, a big one there, definitely in that environment. Like I did a short stint in, in Canada on an oil rig and like, you know, there is that felt, it's reasonably safe, but it was pretty lackadaisical. But because you're around so much stuff that is potentially harmful, there's a greater self-awareness and that teaching you, uh, if they're not going to protect me, I'm going to protect myself mm. and then throwing yourself into those situations. Um, Jake, so what were you racing? Like what style of motorbike racing was it? I was just racing. I was racing uh, outdoor motocross. Oh, so, okay. you know, the... the open open paddocks with you you know your jumps and your um jumps and your turns and that sort of stuff and you line up uh 30 40 riders at the gate and they drop the gate and you're out there for 30 minutes plus two laps um yeah that was pretty much that was pretty much every weekend since i was five or six years old until when like when did that sort of stop you had a couple injuries you were saying when you were sort of like yeah when i turned i i think i was about I think I was about 18 when I stopped racing um, regularly. And then from there, it was, you know, 
maybe a couple races, a couple races every six months um, until I was mid twenties, um, and then from there, like when I stopped racing and started sort of doing it more part time, that's when I come would crash more because you know you'd see people that you would you used to kind of rub shoulders with and you'd yeah. immediately try to get back to that level and that's when the crashes would come ego is a hard thing to put behind you it's <laughs> i used to do that thing and now i'm not and i can still do that thing i just i do love the 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 you know rubbing shoulders like we normally talk about that as, as in like you know we're in the same room and we're t- um, in jake's context it's literally you're you're fighting to get first into that corner with a guy that's, you know, you're traveling very, very fast and you're literally hitting shoulders against each other trying to get in first. Yeah. <laughs> and so is there, yeah. is there some scenes that you can think of in some movies that you're like, God damn, I, I would love to be doing that stunt right now. That scene looks so, so fun. Is there anything that particularly comes to mind that you, for that you, Jake? Um, I mean, I look at, I, I really want to stop, do stuff that I'm I'm really not good at, <laughs> and I knew it would be a lot of hard work to do. So um, the opening opening sequence in the first Deadpool uh, Deadpool film, that's you know I'd love to be able to do that because it's like such the different wheelhouse that I'm in, um, and it would just take so much work and so much training to do it. And it's also like that body movement stuff that I don't really understand, but I'm curious about kind of how to make that work um mm. so that's the kind of stuff i really would like to do um you know my my base in the other areas of bikes and cars is, is okay mm. um you know you can see a bike stunt or see a car stunt and be like okay well i sort of know how that would work but when you see you know your parkour guys and and your gymnasts and that and the way their body moves and the way they can spin and that kind of thing and it's so foreign that I'm more I'm drawn to that in a sense. It's just like, well, I really don't know how to do that. So that's what I want to learn how to do. Yeah, that seems as, that's always going to propel you as well nicely. Like there's always going to be something that we're not good at and having that open-mindedness to pursue that. That's a, that's a definitely a beneficial trait. I mean, the, the, do you find there's any protectivity or, or insular? It doesn't sound like there is, but is there insular thinking in some skill sets from maybe the older crews, more experienced guys who are sort of afraid to share some of the tricks and stuff just because of uh, intimidation possibly or thinking that I don't want these young upstarts taking my position possibly. There, there was a – I remember like recently when we were on set, um, again, working with, with um, Benji, mm. and there was a moment where um, we were talking about the setup and we were talking about the equipment we had and there was someone that wasn't a member of the stunt team. I can't remember who they were, but they were sort of included in the conversation. And then the coordinator turned around to us and he went, wasn't that many years ago that this would have been like covered in tarps and no, we're not talking about this. This is our secrets. This is not, no one's allowed to know about this. And um, we started talking about there being this kind of um, sort of brains trust occurring now of like, no, no, we're sharing all the ideas and, and, the way that I put it um, to the coordinator at the time, excuse me, was that, you know, the, the thing that we're looking at right now that's on set, that's right now. We're already thinking about how to improve that. Mm. So if someone wanted to jump in and copy that exactly, then by the time they've managed to copy it, we're already, you know, we've improved on that. And it's, you know, you're a few steps down the line. And there's that, that constant need to progress it and make mm. it better. Um, and I think you, you, I, I just think my, my personal opinion is you, you develop better things and you, you learn more by the more people you include in it. Yeah. You know, right? at, at the end of the day, someone else, someone's got to make a decision and someone's mm-hmm. got to decide the route to take. But I think the more input there is, the, the, the sort of the better the product is going to end up being. Yeah. I remember when I was climbing and the, the positive atmosphere you had with the, your crew, you're all, you are competing with one another. Is this little bit of like, oh, I just saw Ben just jump up then and he did that pretty good. Oh, okay, I, I reckon I could get one more. Okay, and you do that. But you are all so positive reinforcement as well once they're up there. And then once you're up there, same thing back. Mm. So it does sound like you guys have that positive atmosphere as well. Jake, is there any that sort of time when you're 
does it feel like a job still or is it kind of like that sense of oh, I can't wait to step up now and, and do this thing even though you said you get nervous like all, all performances I think a lot of people do have that is there still a little bit of okay yeah radio or are you still just infatuated and stoked to be on set every time um, no for me it's, I'm always trying to figure out um, like put together all the pieces of information throughout the day so when it is time for the stunt to happen you know exactly what you've got to do so you really do have to be you know, listening to your stunt coordinator um, listening to where they're setting up cameras like having an ear out for what the director might want to see and just try and get all that information and when you're on set about to do a stunt like information is your phone you want to try and get Mm. everything um and you know you, you start, you're going to get the majority of that from your stunt coordinator but if you sort of kept your ear to the ground and, and say okay well camera's going to be here it's going to be moving like this and um director kind of wants something that looks like this and if you can get as much information as you can it just makes your job easier when it is time to you know three two one action um so from the day you know so it is, it is a job in a sense so you you get there on the day and, and you're in work mode because you know you've got to you've got to try and achieve something and you need to try and get all the information you can to make that happen. Yeah, so blank there, I didn't fill no, in for just, the time. I was thinking there's there's kind of for me the big difference between like the the image of the stunty as the evil can evil and mm. the reality of it in that you know, Evil Can Evil. It was always about oh, the build up to this one big thing, and that's all he does. He publicizes yeah. it. I'm, I'm doing this thing. Whereas for us, because we're looking at longevity of career, we, when it comes to doing that one big stunt, you know, you're sort of building towards it. So like, um, uh, it's it's probably better to talk about one again because we've been talking about him one of Benny's. So you know, his car rolls. Mm. In the lead up to it, there's the right. You get booked for the job, and that's that's the first point. Is when the coordinator goes, "Hey, I'm, you know, are you available to do this?" And if it's a big stunt, they'll sort of tell you what it is. And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, cool." From that point, these wheels sort of start ticking over in your brain, and from that point until you hear the, you know, three, two, one, action. There's this constant slow preparation. And it's kind of never perfect. Mm. And there's always things that get thrown in the way. So for, for Ben, because he's building the, the vehicles now, he's trying to factor in how am I going to construct this stuff? How am I going to, you know, come in on budget, in the time frame? And, I mean, he's the hardest working guy I know in stunts for just hours that he puts in. When you say building mm. there, that brings to mind, is there some sort of um, certification? Racing, you have a, a frame that's inside the, uh, the the car, for instance, mm -hmm. roll cage. That's yeah. certified by a, you know, something, mm -hmm. a department that's saying, yeah, this is safe enough to roll. But you were saying, I'm building a unique bespoke thing for this one-off thing. Yeah. It's regulated. Yeah, who's, what's that so th we are. This is the other big thing about stunts, which is why we need smart, you know, engineering-minded people. You know, mm -hmm. like like I mentioned, the Duncans. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're guys that can build this stuff. Like, they... They were the ones building it that we learnt off, and sure. um, the guys they they learnt by you know building stuff with the guys before them. Like there's this, the more mechanically minded you are, mm. the, the the better you're going to be in the industry because there is that that level of acumen needed now because we are self regulated. Well, it's all mechanics. I mean, it's mechanics so of the body. It's yeah, mechanics it's, it's of physics. the setup. It's yeah. essentially my my job is to dabble in physics, mm. and you know you, they've tried a few times to regulate us by other, you know, um, industry standards. But you try and regulate, it's like we're a building site. Well, that means that any time that we're within 1.2 metres of a, mm. you know, height greater than a metre, we need to be harnessed and we need to be, well, what if it's 15 metres and I've got to fall off it? So you know, all of a sudden you, you... So we have to be self-regulated. So, you know, Ben being allowed to build these vehicles, he was allowed to do it because he's built race cars. And because he mm -hmm. has a knowledge of what's involved in an FIA regulated cage, but then he's building something a little bit different mm. because, you know, we want like let's say the director says, okay, uh, this film's set in America, um, and we want the driver to die. Then we're going, okay, 
well, in that case, we want the driver's side of the car to crush mm. and we'll drive it from the passenger's side so that that can stay intact and, you know, Ben can walk away. So there's those thought processes that come into it and then the design is normally sort of set to the purpose. So whether you're building a cannon car or, or a, you know, pipe ramp car or however you're going to use it, um, there's a different technique that goes into building it. And he's at the point now where he's from go to woe doing the entire thing. Mm. You must be signing a hell of a lot of <coughs> waivers with a lot Less of skull and crossbones on them. <laughs> Real, I mean, it's being self-regulated yeah. where you can just sort of come up with what you're building and perform it however a creative mind wants. Of course, do it with, you know, as safely as possible. However, the people who are creating and writing this stuff, they're not really thinking about an industry standard. They've just got a creative mm. thought in their mind mm. and you have to somehow mesh these things together. O on that note, one of, the, one, of the, the <laughs> one of the funniest things that happen on set is when you get asked to do something that actually bends physics. <laughs> So, I've, you Go know, I've, I've had times where I've been, you know, people have seen someone do a, a high fall and then they've gone, oh, we, we just need them to fall a bit slower. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> You're right, Tony, of those, Jake. Uh, we really need you to just uh, do that thing, but, uh, yeah, just make it so it's possible, but it's not possible. I mean, it's not problem solving. At the end of the day, like, obviously, your writer isn't writing his, you know, screenplay thinking of, well, how's a stunt person going to do this? Um, it's you know it's his stunt coordinator's job to to flag that stunt and work out with his team a, a way to achieve it and um, a couple of different ways to achieve it. Mm. Um, when you start factoring in um, you know environment and budget and and that sort of stuff, so um, yeah, a, a lot of it does come down to just having that problem solving mindset. Um, but I think that's another aspect of what attracts certain people to that industry mm. um, people that can solve problems people that like you know riddles and puddles puzzles and that kind of thing because I mean that's what it is at the end of the day is, is you know your, your screenwriter's not writing it for a stunt person they're writing it to tell a story and then, and, and we're a cog in that machine of how to mm. tell that story so um, yeah you do have to solve a lot of problems and, and figure out how to achieve what they want to see you know safely and efficiently I think, I think you've just hit on also one of my favourite things about um, sort of modern day stunts is the, the suiting the stunt to the purpose. So, like, you know, we did a, um, a film called Palm Beach um, a couple of years ago where I was, I was doubling Mr. Sam Neill, you know, living legend. Um, and you, you're talking about a fight between Sam Neill and Brian Brown. So you've got... Two. New Zealand versus Australia. Yeah, you're, but you basically got two guys that their characters should have never been in a fight, mm -hmm. or if they did, it was you know forty years ago. So, if we suddenly choreographed a fight with them where they're doing high level jujitsu and you know the, the taekwondo, like you know the helicopter kicks and stuff like that, yep. it's ridiculous. So then you start choreographing right. How would these characters actually do it? And then once you start working at how they'd actually do it, then you start going, all right, how can we choreograph as much of this as we can so that the actors can do it themselves? And where do we need to step in and take that hit that, you know, will then sell for the screen but also will prevent this wonderful national treasure from being injured? So yeah. you're saying the stunt directors... The coordinators, actually, yep. The coordinators, sorry. Will, no, will, they'll, they'll be influencing how how the scene is actually going to run. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a completely collaborative right. process. Because in my mind, it was a uh, director of you know, the powers that be would come to the, your, the company and say, look, we want X, Y, and Z. And I'm guessing not many people want to turn down a contract and say, we can't do this. And they'll just say yes to anything. And it's very, very unsafe. But you're saying is no, we'll come in there and we'll make it work, and we'll actually have people yeah, you work you with That's your team. And so I mean, you know, like like Jake was saying, you know, you, the screenwriter writes writes the the script. Mm -hmm. That story then gets signed off on by the producers. The producers find their director, or maybe you know, however mm -hmm. it happens, you end up with the director who's in charge of creating the the product of that script. And then our job is to create something that suits the the story wow that's 
Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize there was much creativity like from that side of the. <clears throat> oh yeah, and industry. And I think it's. I think Jake will agree. It's. It's. Mm, it's the most fun when it's collaborative. Mm. The best things usually are like Jake. You're sounding incredibly like level-headed and reasonable. Um, and I think a lot of times people like we. I knew of a gentleman, uh, Lucky Chance. Is that name ring a bell for you guys? No, no, Lucky. Yeah. But unfortunately, well, I, I he, Lucky. yes, he yeah. died uh, years ago. But he seemed like sort of the prototypical stuntman. I'm throwing myself off cliffs all the time. I'm climbing without ropes. I'm doing stuff that seemingly to the public is a little bit reckless or it's out there. It's the typical stuntman thing. But then we take to you two gentlemen. It's sort of like, no, no, we just turn up. We do things reasonably. We talk to them in a professional manner and we go through a process of discussion and, you know, reasonable dialogue and we come up with a nice product in the end. Yeah. <laughs> sort of defies yeah. expectations, guys. Like I was saying, it's just I'm completely, you know, thrown my realities, my, my pre, you know. Yeah, expectations for it, yeah. Preconceived ideas of what you lot were like. So J- Jake, where do you see the rest of the sort of the stunt direction going? Do you want to coordinate? Is there more artistic-based things that being now in that industry kind of going, oh, maybe I want to lean a little bit more on the creative side or or you still haven't decided yet? Um, I think I, I want to be in this industry for a long time and obviously the, the end goal is to, to be a, a stunt coordinator. Um, but in saying that, I'm, I'm in no rush to sort of do it. Um, I think I'm looking at, at it as an apprenticeship and treating it as an apprenticeship. So, you know, there's not just performing, um, you know, not just performing to be a good stunt coordinator. It's, you know, you've got to understand the performing aspect. You've got to understand the rigging aspect. You've got to understand what goes into your sort of major stunts with is building and fabrication and that sort of thing. And then you've also got to understand the safety side of it um, and not just the safety of performers, the safety of the crew and, and everyone that's, that's on set. Um so it's, it's, for me, it's going to be a slow burn and it's just um, spending as much time as I can on, on productions and with different stunt coordinators and, and seeing, trying to pick pick what each one does really well um, and then kind of logging that and then be like, okay, well, let's meet another stunt coordinator and see what they do and, and, and see what they do really well and just trying to build a good little data sheet of, you know, all these different stunt coordinators that I look up to and, and and picking the best aspects of what they do and then trying to mould myself um, into having all the best aspects of that down the line. You must find it hard watching movies and not deconstructing all the scenes <laughs> that stunts are involved in. Like, it's impossible. Yeah, so once you look behind the curtain, that you can't not, not see it. So... Is there something that comes to mind that you sort of go left you baffled for days, weeks, just like how did they do that? Um, I think it's harder. It's getting harder and harder now because you're not not really sure. We're CGI is getting so good. Visual mm. effects is getting so good. You know, you we've all seen the VFX posts on Instagram where you know you see the finished product and then you see. And, you know, the green screen in the studio that, that they've shot it on. Um, so, yeah, you do... I do try and look at uh, that when I am watching a movie, but at the same time, I still just like to enjoy and, and watch a movie. Um, but for me, it's still... I see, like, little continuity things as kind of what I pick up first before, you know, trying to analyse a stunt. Okay. So that's what I'm... I. It's got to be a hell of a good movie for me to get lost in it because if I'm not picking apart the stunts, I'm picking apart the, the acting, sure. or I'm picking apart the photography, or picking apart the directing. Like, I'd, yeah, do like, you enjoy doing that? I do, I really do. Yeah. I, think, I think that's what we were touching on before when, um, when you were talking about the way that I tell stories and the, the, yeah. the detail. Like, I, I really do. Like, I've when um, when I was watching Mank the other night, you know, there's to my knowledge, there's two stunt sequences in that that whole film, um, and and beautifully done because they'd fly completely under the radar, and you wouldn't even think about there being a stunt sequence in there. But you know, with my knowledge of the industry, I know that that would have been a stunt performer doing that. That you know, the coordinator would have been involved. But 
I mean, watching his performance and watching the detail in those things and um, thinking about the fact that, you know, someone like Gary Oldman has managed to craft this seamless performance when, you know, with my knowledge of filming, that was 20 different setups, you know. There was those moments where it couldn't have been shot at the same time because the camera would have been in shot. And, you know, there's... There's mm. all those those things, and yet he managed to create this perfect, seamless, you know, performance. And the editor managed to perfectly put it together, and the director managed to have the through line to get the whole coverage that he needed. And yeah, and no, I, I geek out on it still. Is there any animosity or slight grumblings between like the CGI, the special effects side, and stunts? Considering it, you, you could take it a little bit of. Ah, uh, they're taking away a bit of our stuff. That well, we I was, was going to ask whether it's potentially going to make your job obsolete one day. What do you reckon, Jack? No, so I think I think we all kind of work together. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think you've got three departments there that are really kind of working together to achieve uh, to achieve a look. And um, what Aiden touched on was exactly right. When you do watch some films. Um, you do have a newfound respect for how long that shot actually took to film because, you know, the different angles, the way they've shot it. Um, and then when you filter in, you know, your, your CGI and your special effects and that sort of thing. Um, but no, I, I don't think, at least, at least I hope, um, we, we're not going to be made redundant. And I, think that's, I think that's quite a ways down the track. Um, I think you're always you're gonna have that that human element in stunts. Like I, I also think that the audience responds differently. Like you can, you're always gonna know the difference between someone actually doing something and something that's been, mm. you know, generated. Like so, the uncanny valley sort even, of aspect. Even of it. if it got perfect, mm. then people would just want to know whether it was a person or whether it was a you know CGI. And I think the the best versions of it are the ones where they do the composite. So like. Um, what comes to mind for me is the shot in Mad Max where one of the war boys gets blown off the side of the war rig. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a, a composite of three different setups where you had the live performer just doing a little sort of reaction off the side of the war rig. Then you had the live performer doing a bigger thing off the side of the war rig. Then you had a green screen element of they got him spinning through the air. Then you got the sort of special effects element where they took a dummy that was a perfect copy of him, launched it off the side of the... And when you see that particular bit of footage, which mm. I'll try and get so you can mm. put it up on here, yeah, we will. there's a, a wonderful shot that was behi- like just behind the scenes where someone's just filming it and you just got the war rig driving towards it. And then all of a sudden, big explosion and this human body comes flailing out of the war rig, hits the ground and gets run over. And that from a distance is even very off-putting to watch. Mm. And then when you see it as the composite of the three sort of main elements together, that's what makes it a, a sort of visual extravaganza where you can't see where one became the other mm. necessarily. You know, Like you know that the beginning was a real person. The end can't be a real person because we killed him. So at what point did that transition happen? Wow. Yeah, that's fabulous. The um is there well, like what what would movie would you go to though Jake on a you're on a you're at home you've just done a hard day of of uh, stunts feel exhausted but yet at the same time you want to be entertained like oh, I'm going to throw my favorite comfort movie on just to sit back and have a glass of port with like what would you go to port I know that's my favorite <laughs> drink so you know I just threw that in Love it depends on mood I mean but I mean <laughs> I I, I kind of like watching the I mean, what did I watch last night? I mean, last night I watched the original Iron Man from from O eight. Okay. Um, yeah, just because now I can now like I've just seen it so many times, but uh, now I sit down. I think it's the first scene when he returns home and he's trying to rebuild his Iron Man suit and he starts kind of flying around his garage, and that's when I'm looking at that, going, "Well, I know how that's done now." Um, let me see if I can see where his pick points are and his harness and, and see how they're... Because I know, like, I've, I've seen the behind the scenes, I know how they're doing it. Mm. But now it's my turn to sit down and go, oh, okay, well, let's see if I can... And you do, you, you pick up um, little tenting in, in 
in costume and that sort of stuff. And it's kind of cool to see that that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty broad as far as movies um, and TV shows. Like, you know, I could be watching X Files one minute and, and Peaky Blinders the next minute. It's just yeah, whatever I'm feeling at the time. How is Peaky? I've heard it's very good to it's watch. Really it's good. good. Yeah. It's really good. Peaky Blinders is great. The first season, it takes a little bit to get into. Okay. Um, I think I took like two attempts to watch the first season, but then once you're, once you're in, you're in. Is there, Has there been any, uh, like going back to like the a scene that you've seen or like a, something overseas, I, I'm thinking of like Hong Kong fight scenes and sort of the portrayal of what Jackie Chan supposedly talks about and how they just sort of do these one shots or, or at least one camera shot. Here's this long 30-second sequence of fights and that still seems amazing. Is there anything in particular that comes to mind for you that you still like, Ooh. I mean, I would want to love to learn it, but that also at the same time, I'm glad I'm not there, possibly. That seems a bit full on. Probably in the last uh, John Wick, where they've got the fight scene in like the antique armory <laughs> weapon antique store, and they're just hanging knives at each other. <laughs> like, and they're just Surely they're CG knives, it. though, to a point. Like going back oh, to the man, I don't. I don't even know. But that was, uh, I think it was the 87 11 guys that did that, right? Aiden? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Are they a group? Yeah, that, that's, a... I mean, that seems insane. Like, yeah, so they're the guys behind um, the all the John Wick franchise. So basically you've got um, – so the 87-11 guys came out of The Matrix. You know, they were, they were mm-hmm. doubling Keanu. They were heavily involved in that. Um, and then they – in the early 2000s, they set up shop in L.A. Uh, I can't remember which – where in California it was. But um, basically they, they sort of revolutionized in a way the way that action was being shot. And now when you look at all the action films that have been coming out, you know, stuff like Atomic Blonde and, mm-hmm. um, you know, to a point, Extraction. And When you say they revolutionised it, in what aspect? There, well, th- it was the first time that stunt... You know, Hal Needman, back in the day, um, he's the only stunt performer ever to receive an Oscar. Again, why, okay. you know, when you mentioned Ox- Oscars before, I yeah. didn't even know who'd won because I don't pay attention because sure. they don't recognise my industry. Um Hal Needham actually won a, a Oscar, and he's the only stunt performer to ever win it. He won it for lifetime achievement, okay? Because we don't have an award. Sure. Um, he was the first really. Like, there was a few of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not bitter at all. Um, there's a few of them that sort of started stepping into directing, mm-hmm. and they sort of paved the way. So you got you know Hal Needham, um, Vic Armstrong. There's, there's a couple of them that had the acumen to not just be a second unit director because there's a lot of stunties that sort of step into that. So you're in charge of a lot of the action mm-hmm. um, that um, gets shot. But to actually be able to helm an entire film, so mm. have the acumen to you know handle the drama and the comedy and, and all the stuff as well as carry over the stunts. Um, and, I mean, the 8711 guys came through and did that. Um, and then you've got like a, a, a gentleman I'm working with at the moment that I really look up to is Sam Hargrave. And he's sort of the newest kid on the block for doing that, of being able to direct the entire movie and, you know, coming from okay. the stunt aspect. Um, so, yeah, the, you well, know, like they, like they, they did John Wick, they did Atomic Blonde, they did... Um, it comes to mind like The Raid and yeah. some of those, uh, the other Thai uh, film... Ongbuk? Ongbuk, yes. Yeah. They, uh, from my memory, they seem to maybe have had a bit of a crew that were orientated on... The fight scenes being the obviously the raid is a focal point. It's what it is. It's a hour and a half just fighting. Yeah, onslaught. Yeah, <laughs> got to see it, Pete. It's great. Clearly, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Is there anything you want to leave us with, or thoughts, or wisdoms, or encouragements to get other young budding uh, sort of stuntmen into the into the fold? Um. Or women, like I mean, that's the thing. Like, go on to that. Like, do you find also that? Like, is it a very inclusive? That, that's area actually something I want to I want to jump in on because we were going to have um, Jake's partner Mel on mm-hmm. as well, and um, I'm a firm proponent of the fact that there's stunties. Yeah, that a female and a male stunty only exists in the mind of costume and a coordinator when they're trying to cast a particular production. Mm-hmm. As far as we're concerned, they're stunties. Sure. You know, the I'm working with with um, Haley at the moment on um, on um, Interceptor, 
and where she's um, doubling Elsa, how am I saying it, Pataki? Probably fucked that up. But she, um, you know, Haley's out there taking the biggest wrecks, you know, like there's, there's kind of this weird thing in the world of wanting to say, you know, stunt woman, stunt man. There's just stunties. So, yeah. you know, a stunty doesn't matter whether they're male or female, they'll do the same thing. And there has been an upswing of, of female roles that have in, included more action and that sort of thing. But unfortunately, being that you have to look like the character involved, the byproduct is there is more men, unfortunately, in film doing things that might be involved to do a stunt. Uh, I think the revolution started. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. As it should be. But yeah, any, any advice, Jake? Um, not so much advice. I mean, the, the criteria is it's there. It's on the website. You've, you've kind of got to seek it out. And if you want to do it, you're going to do it. But uh, as far as, as girls in the industry, I mean, they they do it tough. They do it really tough. Um, especially, like, I know Mel, when, when she was in Fiji shooting, um, she was in, like, a, a dress. Um, and she's running up and down this dirt road all day. And, and before the scene, the coordinator's like, um, Mel, where's your pad bag? You know, make sure you get your pad bag. So she's gone back to set, got a pad bag, mm. and um, they come back with, with the pads off. And it's, and it's like, he's like, oh, well, you didn't need your pad bag because now I think of it, you can't pad up because you're in a dress. Yeah, of like, course, you you've got to be the female body. You can yeah. yeah. yeah, you've just got to use, and a lot, of, a lot of the female costume is just, you know, shorts and, and, and dresses and, and that sort of stuff like the costume that they're in a lot of times doesn't doesn't lend them the luxury of, of putting that many pads on um so a lot of the wrecks that that those guys have to take you know they're they're, they're gnarly because mm. you know, a lot of the times they, they don't have the luxury of putting as many pads on so as always, yeah, continuing yeah. the gender divide there of responsibilities and tasks that they have to shoulder. It's uh, I mean, you're standing right there, getting you know, doing basically the same wreck, and you're getting to put pads on and wear jeans. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's hectic. Yeah, that's insane. There was actually I was I was watching a movie called Finding Ohana um, the other day, which is a really wonderful sort of almost like a re reimagined version of the Goonies. Um, it's, okay. it's really, really well done. Like, I, I is there a chunk and no, sort of no, stand in? but you know, it's about the the people going into the cave to find the you know the old treasure and the you know that whole bit. And it's it's really I, I do suggest watching it. Mm. But there was a moment where I I'm sitting there watching it with you know my daughter and my girlfriend, and I I went, oh, there's there's going to be a wreck coming up. She went, what do you mean? And I went, well, it's middle of summer, and that guy just put on a sweater for no apparent reason. I went, so, th- yeah, they're, they're covering it up. They're getting ready for it. And I went, she's wearing, like, booty shorts and a singlet. So he'll take a big wreck and she'll basically come out of it fine. I went, that's my prediction. Two minutes later, big wreck, and she followed him straight through it. And I just went, oh, oh God, God, that poor woman that showed up, saw her costume and just went, Are you serious? Like, he's going to wear that and you're giving me this? Mm. So, oh, thanks guys mm. yeah, awesome yeah and, and, and to their credit a lot of the time it's, it's not like are you serious it's just kind of like a bit of a sigh and it's like ah oh, okay yeah, they, they know the score like unfortunately they've already had it for the last 20 years of their life so they've kind of like i mean I'll, I'll, i will be honest as well like i've in the in the last couple of years as i've started doubling um you know more of the the leads you know as a guy there's a, a quite funny thing where you go from playing the bad guy where it's, uh, here's your leather jacket and your jeans and your big boots and, you know, all that stuff, to you start doubling the lead and then it's like, okay, so you're wearing this skin-tight shirt and, you know, you're wearing these nudie jeans and that's going to be your costume for, for taking that wreck. And it's like, oh, this this is what the girls go through every time. See, what you're saying is what Zac Efron does get paid is worth it because of all the... Uh the torturous material they have to wear and <laughs> arduous nature it is to always be pretty. And well, I don't think I was saying that. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, you know, it happened to me a couple of days ago on the, the film that I'm working on now where, you know, we, we're talking about padding up and, um, and I'm, I'm standing there wearing a T-shirt. You know, that, like I say, it's pretty much skin tight mm. and I'm looking at the other guy who's with me and... He's wearing a T-shirt that's pretty much skin tight as well. And it's like, well, I guess we're putting on knee pads. 
Um, that's about it, mm. you know. And it's yeah, it's fine. It's that's the job. Well, that's where the CGI you guys can team up. It's like we'll throw some more pads on you guys, just do a bit more roto work, and we'll be all good. We were employing each other to do the work. Like I was watching some more Gene Kelly. I was telling uh, Aiden the other night, and again, the female dancers, performers, massive high heels, mm. just doing incredibly athletic work. And do the men, yeah. Do sure, you know the quote? Sure. No. Go. When they're talking about um, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Mm-hmm. They said everyone talks about how Fred Astaire is the best dancer in the world. Ginger Rogers did everything Fred did, but backwards and in heels. <laughs> yeah, touche. Well, Jake, uh, you've given us an inspiring story of like how to get into it. I, I do love the beginnings of where you went through and sort of how found that journey as well, um, and not just having this. It does get a little bit boring sometimes when you hear in popular discourse or actors and other performers. Oh, you know, they've just been doing this one thing this whole time. And, like, that's great if you have that one single focus. That That's the thing that drives you. But when you also come to it with a different direction, it gives you something totally different as well that's totally valid. And I think that's what we're trying to explore here. So, Jake, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Don't want to take any more of your evening. No, thanks very much, man. I've, I've had a great time. And, um, uh, yeah, if you, if, you are, if, if you do want to get into stunts, uh, the information's on, on the MIA website, um, the M-E-A-A, I think it's M-E-A-A.com.au. Um, just put it in the Google, it'll come up. Um, I know uh, Stunt Gym, which is in Sydney, in North Sydney, um, Tony Lynch is a stunt coordinator that operates that. Um, that's a really great place to, to go and, and start your training and to gather a bit more information about it. Um, and And my one really big bit of advice would be uh, go out and buy yourself a skateboard because that's going to teach you really quickly that falling down on concrete isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely the words of wisdom that's yeah. going to end that for sure. Well, And, and just before Jake does go, just a, a really big thank you to Jake because um, he's currently driving from, he's just finished a film that he was working on in South Australia and he's currently driving his way back to Sydney and he's in a motel in the middle of nowhere and he took the time to find 4g and and jump on for this chat so thanks a lot brother appreciate it good on you jake no problem thank you guys have a good one matey great love that chat yeah wasn't that wonderful chat very nice like incredibly reasoned individual as well like every time you it's always uh your expectations are defied and you're sort of like oh okay i was trying i was trying to draw out a bit more excitement from it but really it's like no, no, I like to go in really logical and think about the process and mm. we've all talked about it and we've come to an agreement and yeah. we just go do our job. Just that's really listening, just going, this is completely different to what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think that's it now. Pete, Pete, you're fading away. We don't want to keep you anymore and I'm fading. I was yeah. thinking of things to say anyway. So it's been a marvellous time, gentlemen, as always. Mm. Thanks, boys. It's been another episode. Um, of course, you can follow us on youtube.com slash uh, journeyman collective or and patreon if you feel so like you'd like to donate to us uh, uh, patreon.com slash the journeyman collective otherwise just watching it and appreciating it or not appreciating it is well worth it and if you want to make a comment make a comment if you wish uh, i don't think i'll be reading any of them i don't think i have the the heart or the fortitude of mind to go through comments so i'll read them okay, I'm, sure I'm, I'm, I'm used to being critiqued i can do perfect i'm okay being critiqued i think i i think about having to think about it and I just don't want to think about it. There's there's nothing that, you know, my ex-partners haven't said to me. So I'm good. (laughs) I I can take it all. Thank you, folks. Have a good one. Stay safe and love each other and otherwise we'll call it there. Peace out.